almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. This is Samantha Newark, probably best known as the voice of Jem and Jerrica from Jem and the Holograms, and you are listening to Hellions Talks. Hey guys, it's Kevin back again. Uh, thank you for that wonderful opening. So if you're wondering how that happened, and if you're wondering where I've been, and if you're wondering what today's episode is... Uh, well, I'm not quite sure I'm going to answer all the questions. Um, depending on who you are listening, if you don't know, DM me. We'll see. But let's, let's, let's do a short story here. So, I went to AnchorCon last weekend. What's AnchorCon? Well, AnchorCon is the first ever convention of its kind way up in Clayton, New York. How far up in New York State is it? My cell phone kept trying to connect me to a Canadian international use plan. That's how close I was, which means I was pinging off of some cell tower in Ontario, most likely. So, for longtime listeners of my show, longtime listeners of the House Show podcast, also on the Retro Network, my buddy the Educator was there. As we have mentioned many times on the House Show, he one of his side hustles there is working for a used and retro video game store. This store had a booth set up at AnchorCon. Educator said, what are you doing Sunday? I said, I'm not doing anything Sunday. I said, why don't you come up, hang out? I said, you know, that's not a bad idea. And he said, uh, you can check out the con. I'll be there. You know, uh, we could you know, do lunch break together. Or if I need you to grab something for me, you can get it for, you know, I wasn't working it or anything. But I, I was willing to help him out when I wasn't wandering the show floor. So I woke up early, drove up there. Wandered the floor, Got uh, I was on Twitter the night beforehand, checking out pictures, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, checking out pictures from AnchorCon, checking out some of the booths that were already hyping up themselves, and I said, oh, that looks cool, that looks pretty, oh, that looks like something I want. Just getting a lay of the land, figuring out uh, what booths I was going to visit and who I was going to spend money on, uh, and man, I had a blast. Um, I got to... Talked to Samantha there, the voice of Jem, for quite a while. Got an autograph. She was very nice and recorded that. I stopped at two different booths and talked to the people there. I went and I wandered around a lot. I got some ideas, I'll say. There, there were some things there that I thought, well, that's cool. And other things I thought, well, why are people doing it this way? And for a, a first con of its kind and a small con... I, I understood what was going on. I, I think it's some uh, a learning progress and all. Um, I felt like there should have been more comics there. I felt like there should have been more... To- I felt like there should have been more of everything. But it was the first one they've done. And I think it was a success. I think everyone that went had a blast. I saw some kids having a good time there. I saw people having a good time uh, for some of the panels. I saw a few cosplayers. I saw a few people come in with, like, there was a Knight Rider. There was an Optimus Prime. All sorts of cool stuff. And the shocking thing is, for me, for those of you who have been reading my stuff for a while, listening to me on podcasts, uh, videos, whatever it might be, this was only the second convention I've ever gone to. I went to uh, Scaricon in, uh, where, what town was it? Uh, over at the casino nearby many many years ago that was the first convention i've ever gone to though and th- i only was able to do that because it's pretty much like a 20 minute drive away from me so this one i headed up to of course we're all doing RetroCon at the end of september and i just had a blast like just wandering around getting to meet people getting to know people and really not feeling alone as a geek it was just such a good time i i really needed it i was glad i went up there um, I ended up hanging out with Educator after the show was over, went ahead and uh, went back to his place later, uh, hung out with him and his wife and his kids, watched a horror movie. Freaky was actually pretty fun. Uh, it's a dumb horror movie. It was silly, but it was fun. It was a good waste of an hour and a half, give or take. Uh, we watched the NXT pay-per-view that night, and then I made a long and tiring drive home. Uh, that that was exhausting. But I had stuff to do in the morning, like work. So I had to do it. 
But I did a lot of things there. And one of the things I did was I got to interview some people. Very, very happy about that. Had a blast. Um, I ended up talking for quite a while to set up an interview with this first person. And then went back and did an interview. And I, I kind of, part of me wishes I recorded our initial conversation. I think we talked about a lot of fun stuff. I think it was a good time. And I, I kind of wish that I had uh, a record of that as well. But that, that was the setup for it. But for a while there, I went and I hung out with David Whalen. He is self-publishing quite a lot of comics through his own brand, Correct Handed Comics. I bought a lot of his comics there. I talked with him for a while. We just talked about being of similar ages and deciding to just put yourself out there. Like, why not? What's what's the harm in it? What's if, you know, your life's not going to end if you put it out there and, you know, and it doesn't set the world on fire. But I know for me, not being able to write, not being able to record, not being able to get myself out there it, it hurts a lot of times i'm like i i have this need to put things out there to just try to make a presence in the world and when stuff happens in life and and i can't do that um whether it be i'm busy whether it be i'm depressed whether it be massive changes in life and i can't get my voice out there in any means it makes it worse it makes the anxiety, the depression, the emotion that much worse. And I'm not, I'm not putting words into David's mouth here, though. But I felt a kindred spirit of, I have a story to tell. I have something I want to put out there in the world. And I feel better knowing that I got it out there. Whether one person hears my voice, or a hundred, or a thousand, or a million, it doesn't matter. I'm not doing it for the hits, for the counts, for the downloads. Or, or for him, you know, for how many copies he sold. I'm doing it because I have something to say and I want to put it out there. And he had stories to tell and he wanted to put it out there. And I'm thinking, my gosh, I got notebooks surrounding me of story ideas. I have stuff in my head that's been there forever. And for God knows why, I've never tried. I've never really, really tried. I can say I have, but if I'm being honest with myself, I haven't. <clears throat> why? fear, doubt, lack of confidence, um, lack of good time management. I mean, pick something, really, if we're being honest here. And I don't know, there's just been something, maybe, maybe because, you know, my kid's a little older, uh, I feel like I can do a little more. I mean, certainly any of us with kids know that when they're in diapers and, and when they're very young, they do demand more of your attention and then as they get older they're kind of doing their own thing and i love him dearly he's the best thing in my life but yeah to be honest sometimes he just wants to chill and watch his youtube stuff for a while like he doesn't need me right there when he needs me he'll let me know it's, lately it's because he wants a popsicle but <laughs> the freezer's up kind of high but really it's you know i so i could do some other stuff here and, and lately, with different things happening in life, I'm like, okay, I, I'm finally getting through a bunch of shows. I'm getting through some reading. I'm getting through some cleaning. Um, and I'm not just sitting here doing nothing. Uh, David and I both talked about how you know, embarrassing it is that here we are in our 40s and we'll waste way too much time on TikTok. Way too much time. Uh, and like any social media like any anything i've made good contacts i have people that are very good to follow but then i think we all fall into this area where we just scroll and scroll and look at things and it's like why am i doing this i'm receiving no information i'm receiving no joy it's almost like you keep going to find that one tweet that one video that one post that one tiktok that one whatever that is so good and is so funny or puts a good point in your head or teaches you something or is whatever it might be but it that one thing that's so good it validates the hour you just wasted and you know with driving to these things with being out uh you know traveling around the area lately with just uh being you know trying to not just sit here and scroll all day long but actually doing something 
um, you know, many times taken, you know, uh, we man there with me, and uh, sometimes I'm not, but to just do stuff has been nice. And then I'll look and I'll say, oh, I actually did stuff today. And I still have all of my followers online, and I still got a bunch of hits for my site, and I still did this, and I still did that. But I actually had a life today, too. And I want to take that better feeling and less of a reliance on social media and, and doom scrolling and, you know, the, the addiction of it, and be more productive, much like David here with all of his books. So I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to jump into an interview with David, then I'm going to come back, I got another interview, and then I'll close up some thoughts on AnchorCon. So thank you so much, all of you, for sticking with me. I, I had to take a break uh, from recording for a little while. I'm so happy I have this episode up today. I'm happy for people I've already reached out to for future interviews, and I'm excited for the future of what I will write next, and, and maybe you know, use these lessons and these inspirations and finally get my own stories out there too. So, all right, without further ado, let's talk to David. Okay, guys, it's Kevin, obviously, you know, because it's my show. And I'm still here at AnchorCon, and I am currently here with comic creator David Whalen. And uh, I have a ton of stuff I already got from this booth that I will have reviews up on the site soon, or maybe already by the time this goes live. Uh, so, David, thank you so much for being willing to do this. Ken, thank you for today. having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, you have a wealth of books here, a wealth of ideas, a wealth of topics. We talked a little bit before this, plus a novel. But you have a day job, like many of us do, sure. and you got a hustle. Was there a moment when you woke up and said, if I don't do this, I never will? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd say about five or six years ago, I was uh, working as a teacher, still do as an elementary art teacher, and uh, I started uh, putting together a lot of stories, just writing them down, but never, never fulfilling them, seeing them all the way through. Um, and I started reaching out to some small press companies uh, and doing five pages here, six pages here for the, there for them. Uh, and I realized that I was kind of uh, uh, like a hamster running the wheel, yep. not really getting anywhere with it. So I just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop messing around and I'm going to start putting some books together. And before you know it, I'm going to put four or five years into it. And I've got issue 16 of my ongoing series, a whole bunch of one-shots, four-issue miniseries, 100-page graphic novel. Um, and it was definitely that moment where I knew that if I, because I'm not the youngest man in the world, uh, <laughs> that if I didn't start doing it, I probably wouldn't be able to get any of those stories that I really wanted to tell out. So I'm really um, happy and proud of myself to be able to just get them out there to show the world. Well, I, I know for myself, there is a part of it of feeling old, feeling like it's too old to do stuff. But I'm also, I'm not trying to play in the NFL in my 40s. Exactly. Like, I'm trying to write and draw. I can yeah. do that at any point. Yeah. Um, now, for doing it yourself, was there sort of a moment of DIY as well? Because, I mean, whether it be our homes, whether it be work, relationships, whatever, there is that point of, n there's no real adult when we all used to think they're real adults, <laughs> coming to help. I don't know what real adult means. I no, didn't, geez, didn't, he, didn't you think you did when you were younger, though? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody around me was a real yep. adult. <laughs> Pay their bills on time, yeah. know what's going on and all. Nope. So funny now to think back that they didn't know what they were doing either. <laughs> no, but they, they hit it well, though. <laughs> they did. But uh, to go the DIY route, though, in, in a way, to be like, if I wait for someone to come and do this for me, I'm going to always wait. Now yeah. that I have the impetus, now that the ball's rolling... I need to just do it. Yeah. So was it, did you feel like jumping into the pool? Did it feel like scary? Did it feel, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the anxiety in the middle of the night, wondering if you're making the right decision? Oh yeah, all those things. I had worked as, before I started becoming a teacher, I was probably five or six years into my professional teaching uh, job. Uh, before I did that, I was a graphic designer for about 10 years. Oh, all right. So, um, so I had had a, a good amount of uh, knowledge and skill on the computer, a good amount of knowledge and skill about uh, putting things together and uh, formatting and stuff like that. Um, the, the scary thing was really, can I hold a 24-page comic and have people enjoy it? You know, or, have, or even not even people, have myself enjoy it. Yeah. Be happy that I got this story out 
and it's a story that I wanted to tell. Um, and, and I think that the first issue was the toughest, but I was really lucky because the for, for me anyway, the first issue that I wanted to put out was uh, The Offspring. I had had the story for 20 years. It was one of those things where I came up with it, you know, one night and started jotting everything down and I kept it all. And 20 years later, I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to tell the story now. So it was, it was something that had been, had been gestating and growing uh, in my brain. Uh, so I felt pretty confident that, uh, that not only be able to get those first uh, few issues out, but be able to continue the story and, and just getting better at formatting and better at storytelling and better, better at the visuals and better at, the, at the, the really clarification of what's going on in the story and all those things. And for me, it's, it's always uh, um, the journey of not the making sure that everything you're doing right now is 100% perfect. It's making sure that you get better as you go. And that was one thing I had to kind of get over as I started it. You know, I think that's an excellent point because I think my own hesitation, people I've talked to, there is that fear of, well, it needs to be perfect right out of the gate. It needs to be absolutely yeah. the best thing possible. But it can't be because you need to learn those lessons. Yeah. And I'm sure as much as you said the idea has been gestating for decades, if you wrote it then compared to writing it now, it's maybe the blank, the base idea is the same but certain details, certain twists and turns only came later. Yeah, exactly. Because of something in your own life or something you read or wh whatever it might be, certain ideas I'm sure came later oh, yeah. that weren't there at the time but made it better. Yes. Yeah, I'm, and I think that, uh, you know, for something, somebody in our position, my position, I try to remind myself, you know, whenever somebody says something very positive or maybe somebody says, comes up and says, oh, I didn't like that about your story or whatever it is, I try to remind myself that there are some people that really love Star Wars. There are also people that really hate Star Wars. <laughs> so it can be the biggest, most popular thing in the world. You're going to have some people who don't get it, don't want to get it, don't care to get it, don't like it, don't whatever. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me and for my family and for people who enjoy a good, a good solid story. Well, and Star Wars being a great example, of course, you even have people that love it that also hate it, too. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. There's no pleasing They might one. have liked the first four issues, and then issue 20, they're like, why did you do that? That was dumb. Huh? <laughs> but, but then there's also, because I do that, too, and that's that's one of the things I've been trying to do, and I don't know if you've fallen into it as well. Instead of me complaining, you should have done this, this, and this, well, I could write that story. Then. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. When I, like, a good example is the uh, Master of the Universe that just came out. The Revelation? Revelation. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Kevin it. Smith fan. Oh, yeah. So. I Kevin Smith, He-Man, I enjoyed every last minute of it. I understood the critiques that there wasn't any He-Man mm -hmm. in a Masters of the Universe story. Uh, I could argue, I would argue that there was more He-Man than people think there was. Yeah. Um, but my reaction is always, well, you're not the one that wrote it. Mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to see a He-Man story that you wanted to see, you go write that He-Man story. Um, and this is Kevin Smith's story. This is the one that he wanted to tell, and this is the one where he, he was able to tell. Um, we're, I'm sure that he's sorry that you didn't like it, but at the end, it's his story. It's not anybody else's story. You know, it's a story that he wanted to tell. Well, and he's also, the show is called The Masters of the Universe. Exactly. It's not called He-Man. Your yeah. book is called The Offspring. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, this is what it's about. I wasn't telling you it was about something else. <laughs> so yeah. you can't complain yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. what you brought in. Yeah. Now, you write and draw. Is there... Would you sit down, write it all completely first, and then get into drawing? Or because you can do both, do you kind of bounce back and forth and maybe go as far as you can with one and then go back to the other and see where the story... Because I, I, I know enough now, and we again, we talked off mic about this. I know from my own attempts, sometimes I don't know where the story is going. And then hours later, I think, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Characters are telling me. The story's telling me. But for you writing and drawing, does it... How, how does it flow, or does it just depend on the day, honestly? The, the first four issues, um, I very much plotted it out and wrote it out and made sure I had it solid and knew, knew where I was going with it and had the little things, the little Easter eggs that I knew were going to pay off in later issues. Um, uh, now, at this point, working on issue 17, I know the characters, I know the story, I've got all 50 issues plotted out, I know what's going to happen, and I might not know every single exact thing a character says, mm. um, but I've got the basic beats. To, to every story that I'm going to tell with them. So for me, it's a matter of, well, let me make sure that I, I, I'll bullet point out this, 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 da, 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 uh, fairly quickly, and then I'll thumbnail. Okay. So my thumbnails is really where I, I tell the story, I find the flow of it, and I find the, the beats, and I find the, uh, the, um, where the character, little character moments are inside of. Um, uh, so it's, uh, for me at this point, I don't, 
really write the whole thing out, I'll do my writing in the thumbnails. And then I'll take them to my pencils and then inks and then all that kind of stuff. So, so I don't have to, uh, not that I haven't in the past, but at this point I don't write out full scripts. Well, it's also, comics are so different from other forms of literature as well, because you need to consider things of how, is, how are these panels going to lay out to tell the story? Yeah. Maybe I thought I was going to have this conversation here, but then it's not going to flow in the panels. Yeah. Page turns. God, what a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous yeah. thing that people in other media don't have to worry about. Yeah. But as a comic, you're like, I can't put it here because that's not the way it's going to flow for yeah. the reader here. Exactly. Um, but are these all, were these things that through graphic artists or just through your own comic book reading you kind of knew or are these things that along the way you're realizing? Yeah, a little bit of both, a little bit of all those things. Um, being a big reader in my 20s and 30s and, and uh, really enjoying comic books throughout my entire life. Um, I really made sure that I knew, like, there, there, for some pages, it'll just come to me like, no problem. I've got it, I know where the page is going to look like, and then there are other pages that takes me three or four tries to figure out a nice panel layout to be able to get those, those things to flow, and then, like you said, be able to turn it to show that surprise on the other side. Um, but I don't, um, I wouldn't say that my influence is only comics or only movies or only, it's, it's all a big combination of all of them. Uh, for The Offspring, it's an it's a action thriller. So I would say the closest thing that would be a good influence is um, like um, like supernatural, like mm -hmm. those kind of things. Like I call it monsters may mayhem. Uh, I call it action adventure monsters and mayhem. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, uh, kind of the same, not 100% the same vibe, but the uh, uh, the idea of anything can really happen. You can see any kind of monster. The, I just finished a time travel story, so back into the American Civil War. Um, so it's really one of those books that I like. What I when I created it a million years ago was how can I try to uh, change the book every few books so that it tells a cohesive story but I can also change the genre I can also change you know certain looks of characters to be able to flow um, and this is the idea I came with and so far 16 issues into it I think it flows really well and I'm, I'm looking forward to it and of course I'll tag you on everything and readers and listeners will know my thoughts of it soon enough here. Oh, awesome can't wait to hear it uh, um, is there any just it I find it helps me to feel common ground with some people as well is there anything that you could say hey here was my thing when I was young or even right now like here's what my thing is I can't deny I wasn't influenced by it a little bit yeah. but um like for me we, we touched briefly on it when I first saw Clerks and Mall Rats, I said, oh my God, someone's talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt represented. So, sure. of course, I became a fan for life, sure. for everything. Um, and then uh, New Warriors was my jam growing oh, up. I love New Warriors, yeah. I, I will, Speedball's my favorite Speedball's character amazing. ever. Yeah. Night yep. Thrasher, awesome stuff. Yep, so that was my thing. So, as I create and as I collect or whatever it might be, I find, oh, geez, these things I was into when I was a kid, for some reason, they're still here. Yeah. And a lot of it, it, sometimes it comes across in my own stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm not writing what I'm writing. I'm writing <laughs> fan yeah. fiction a little yeah. bit here, yeah. too. Yeah. But let me let me use that and bring it over here, though. Yeah, like the, yeah I'll find that from time to time. I think as the storyline progresses, I uh, for the first time travel story, I very much um, was influenced by things like Quantum Leap, things like that, where I knew they needed to jump into time, do the thing they needed to do, and jump back out again. Mm -hmm. Um, and while the arc is three issues long, it, there's, there's, I try to pack in as much um, mood and characterization and action and making sure that the, it, that the reader understands why it's not just time travel. For time travel's sake, there's an actual reason that they're doing it. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that you think three issues is going to be enough. And then you start writing or you start thumbnail and like, oh my gosh, this is going to be <laughs> This is going to be jam-packed with all this stuff. Um, but, then, but then taking back and, and consolidating, trying to figure out what's the best way to be able to tell this joke, tell this story, action, seeing this, seeing this you know, action bit out. Um, and uh, it really helps to, for me anyway, uh, really make that story nice and concise and clear so that there's no question about what's happening in it. And I, I would say that um, uh, for me, I try to... You pull all of those influences, whether it's um, old comedies like uh, um, like uh, Spaceballs and things like yep. that, to have some jokes in there, but also th serious things like Quantum Leap, uh, uh, some He-Man influence in there, obviously, because I'm a He-Man guy. Um, but then trying to find those those little places to be able to make little nods to things that I loved growing up. 
and, and I will agree with that. It seems to be a nice shorthand that a lot of us have now of here's a little wink and nod, and if you get this, yeah. then we you know. get it great if you don't. That's okay. Yeah, it doesn't matter to the story, but we know we're on the same page there. One thing, I was just talking to a gentleman who used to do uh, the old um, uh, Star Trek series, um, but it wasn't as official Star Trek. It was the fan Star mm-hmm. Trek stuff, and it was an amazing guy to talk to. And we were talking about how Paramount kind of shut them down. Yeah, right after. hardcore. And, yep. uh, and they were saying, well, you can do some stuff, but it's got to be like 15 minute long. You can't do anything longer than 15 minutes. Yep. And they, they were talking about how they struggled to be able to come up with those story ideas that would be a full story arc in 15 minutes. And, I w- and we talked about how, and I, my point was, I think that 30, 40 years ago, yes, that would be very difficult to do. But I think now in the 21st century, most people have seen enough mm-hmm. where you can start a story in the middle. Yep. And as long as you do it the right way, people will catch up fairly quickly about what's happening. Especially something like Star Trek, where you get you, you got the Enterprise, you got a Klingon bird of prey. They're fighting each other. We got it. Let's go. Yeah, you, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to know their yeah. life history. I don't need to know who their yeah, parents are. It, I don't need, yeah. yeah, and that's one thing that I think that readers nowadays is is uh, such a, a pro to readers now and to answer the writers be able to say i think i think if i jump in head on head in first the, people will catch on to what's going on um and that's uh, one thing that i think is a very positive thing in writing nowadays trying not to dumb it all down for the reader to make sure they understand every little nuanced thing it's they'll they'll catch up they'll get these characters as we go and and uh, and whether it's comedy or action or, or or thriller or horror or whatever it is um i think most readers are savvy enough to be able to uh, jump in and, and enjoy it even if they don't get the full background of everything that they're, that they're seeing we i i the uh, library is my day job and we were making jokes about clive Cussler books the other day oh yeah i don't need multiple chapters to break down every detail of the boat yeah i want the story yeah. i don't need this at all exactly. so you're right there's stories where i don't need to know all that just let's get to the action let's get to the story of entertainment oh, yeah. but speaking of something that people should get to i think they should get to your site your social media so they can enjoy your works as well that's a great idea do you want to go ahead and give the hype yeah sure i'm on facebook at correct handed comics i'm on instagram and twitter correct underscore handed i'm on tiktok Correct underscore handed. Oh, I'm an old man. Don't you hate it a little bit? Oh, I, I am too. Bit. I am too. But it's, it's fun to be able to, to try to find like little ways to be able to make videos that, uh, that are funny. I've used my daughter and my son in some of them and then try to play music and all that kind of stuff in it. But it's, uh, but it's interesting. Um, I've gotten a, a, a couple nice solid followers from it, oh. so I'm not too mad at it oh. uh, as an old man. Um, and then um, you can find me on our website, correcthandedcomics.com, and there are links to every book I've ever made right there on the website. Okay. And uh, I'll have links in the show notes and on the site as well. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Big thanks to David for that one. Uh, on to the next interview. Uh, this is the last one for today's show here. Uh, this is Cass, who I was going on Twitter and I was typing in AnchorCon, I was looking at all the booths there, and I saw one piece of art immediately, and I said, oh my god, I have to have this. Um, my kid and I uh, watch a lot of Steven Universe. I think it is an amazing show for kids to watch. I think it's a great show for adults to watch as well. I think that the show does a lot to teach kids about relationships, about all the kinds of relationships that could happen. It is a huge show for LBGTQ plus community. I think it also does a good job of talking about um, mental trauma, about how those have scars that we don't see, but that people can still be suffering from, that people still need help with, that after doing something, because Steven in, in a way is a superhero that battles bad guys in a way but the effect that that has on anyone especially a kid as even as a kid for the majority of the series and even just a teenager in the later parts um and just what what people go through for it also that a lot of it is you know maybe sometimes by talking and, and actually listening to someone we can get further than we can by fighting and just a lot of excellent points in the cartoon but anyways so I see a piece of art featuring a character called Peridot. I love Peridot. It's maybe my favorite character for all of Steven Universe, and this was just a beautiful interpretation of the character. I said I have to have that. So I was going through Cass's uh, portfolio there at the booth, 
Um, and I said, well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. I need to calm down. Uh, so not only did I buy Peridot, I also bought um, in, an Incineroar from Pokemon. I bought a version of Glimmer and Shadow Weaver from uh, She-Ra, from the Netflix version of it. And I also grabbed a Spinel, which is the main bad guy, in a way, from the Steven Universe movie. And they are all amazing versions of these characters. I was excited for it. Um, I had to be calm because there were a few more I wanted to buy. And then I was asking Cass about various other characters. And if um, our paths cross again and certain characters... Uh, are present there or actually some of the ones that were already done um i'll spend more money uh so i'm currently in the process of framing these ones i was very happy about it my kid saw the peridot one he thought it was so cool as well uh and i was just so happy with it um to just tangent for a little bit steven universe there uh a different booth was supposed to have uh, some lapis art and did not so I am loyal to this booth now. And if I see Cass's work there and the Astral Arts booth at other conventions, chances are I'm going to spend more money. See, that was one of the things, talking with David and, and talking to Cass here, um, there's certain things that they just did well as, I don't want to say a store, but as a, as a merchant, as a vendor... As, as a person there to sell things, there are certain things that both of them did that turned me into a loyal customer. If these were stores in my area, these are stores I would be frequenting weekly. These are stores I would go back to because they did things right. There were other booths at this convention. Not that anyone was a jerk or rude or anything. Of course not. But just certain ones I felt more drawn to, more welcome at, more interest in other ones i just kind of walked by and that was it for the day you know nothing against them just we didn't we didn't click really um and it, it made me think and i i don't know that I ever would but I, I think of experimenting with art on my own I, i've always doodled but i've never really tried uh i think of writing and all i think of just selling stuff i was huge on ebay for many years and i still have a lot of things for it that could easily be a table at a convention of this sort. And and I just think of, instead of thinking one way of, well, what did, what was lacking there? Or, or what was lacking from other booths? Maybe I should take lessons from these people I interviewed and what was so positive of them and try to do that myself. I, and I was just so thrilled with it. And hearing the process and hearing how much work is put into it and hearing uh, how much passion and energy is put into these projects, I, I just felt so inspired. Uh, so without further ado, let, let's hear uh, Cass's story here, um, more about the Astral Arts uh, work portfolio where you can find stuff and everything. And really, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. I can't wait to get this work up and really make uh, my place look pretty awesome here. So uh, this will be the last interview, and then I'll be back to wrap it all up. Hey guys, it's Kevin here again, still at AnchorCon, and I spent a lot of money at a booth with some amazing art, and thankfully the artist is willing to sit down and talk to me. And so here, here we go. <laughs> Could you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, my name is Cass, and I'm the owner and proprietor of Astral Arts. Now, I picked up some Steven Universe, some She-Ra, and some Pokemon, but you also have Voltron, you have Demon Slayer, you have things I'm not into, so as I get into stuff later, it's possible I will spend more money. But how do you decide what, what properties you want to go for? Is it just what you love, what you think people would like, what people ask for, a combination of all of it? So I have a rule, and that's that I don't make uh, any sort of artwork of anything that I personally like and haven't already personally watched. I think that it helps me connect with people who like my artwork more if I know what I'm drawing and that I enjoy what I'm drawing. So everything that you see me making is something that I truly enjoy and have watched or listened to or read and have found really interesting and fun. 
so is there anything that a a fan a customer came up to you and you weren't familiar but then because of that it's now a property that you do love Actually, yes. Um, both Dragon Prince and Demon Slayer are both examples of that. I only watched Demon Slayer probably two or three weeks ago and fell in love with it. And the only reason I watched it was because I had so many people asking if I had artwork for it. If you come up to me and say, hey, I think you would like this or hey, I think you would like that. Odds are I'm going to give it at least like a good three episodes to see if I enjoy it. And if I do, you'll probably see me making stuff of it. And, and I will say just your plans for the future because we discussed it outside this recording there's stuff i'm looking forward to that i already know i'm gonna buy whenever you make it but i think it's also you post online your process a little bit and especially with demon slayer with it being so new for you and yet here you are with this amazing piece i think because people can go online and see i'll say how quick you are but i think that is a terrible way for people to look at it it took you years to be able to do it at that level and I don't think people understand that. Like, you're not paying because it's going to take you a month to produce it. You're paying for the years and years and years of practice and everything it took. Have people, overall, the ones that you've mentioned, uh, like, do people understand it? Do you think it's a very supportive group for it to appreciate all that you do? Um, yeah, I think, honestly, most people are very, very supportive and definitely understand that they're not just paying for, oh, well, this only took you an hour to make, so it should only cost me $4. A lot of people understand, like, I went to art college, I've been drawing since I was probably six years old, and not only that, but um, when you subscribe to me on things like YouTube or Tumblr, I post videos so you can watch me draw, I do live streams where people can come and just hang out with me and enjoy the process and learn along with me, um, and I think that that's a very big part of being like a content creator and an artist nowadays, is that you're not just paying for the art itself, you're paying for kind of the experience that comes with being drawn to that artist, you get to kind of see into our world a little bit, and I think that's an important part of it too. <laughs> Sorry, we got an announcement going on here too. Now, part of that time process is, and I, I overheard you talking to someone earlier, all of the shows that you go to as well. So how much time and energy like I, I was complimenting you earlier your setup's amazing just to find everything so quickly to get everything done how much time is that for just the travel the packing the organizing all of that so when I first started out doing conventions and doing big events like this uh, the packing the figuring out the displays that took a lot of time I will say now that I've been doing this for probably around five years now it has become very streamlined I sort of know exactly what I need. I keep it all in very specific places. And once we drop all of our stuff off here, I have an exact order that I do things in to just get it up, get it done, and get it ready to go. And it's, it's actually become quite easy. I think this year we set up this booth in probably about 20 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes really quick. I'm very thankful that I also have a helper with me who's taller than me because I'm very short and, and kind of need help getting everything that's above six feet tall up. But <laughs> I, I have made that joke as well. I actually think some people keep me around to just get high things on high shelves and reach for it. Now, uh, as you're talking about for the experience and the things and all, can you, uh, something that helps me is knowing that other people aren't perfect. Is there any light story of something at a convention where you're like, I can't believe I was so silly. I can't believe I did it that way. Just, I, it was a good learning experience. I needed it. I can look back and laugh now, but at the time, I was so embarrassed, right? Okay, so I actually have a perfect story for this. Um, not many people know this just because I was going by a different uh, name when I was a teenager. I didn't have my art business yet. But when I was a teenager, I was very big in the Vocaloid community, and I worked with a lot of the very big names in the Vocaloid community making artwork. If anyone knows the song Creative by um, Iris, or uh, Creep P is his name, um, I'm the one who did the artwork for that. And anyone who's ever seen that video, it has probably a million views on it. It has my artwork on it, and I drew the hand on one of the characters backwards. And, oh, it, it, no. and it has a million views, and I want you to guess what all the top comments on the video is. It's all, it's all about why is her hand backwards, and I look back at that, and like, I laugh now. I was 16 when I drew it, and I was using my own hand as a reference, and didn't think like, oh, no. that's right, you have to flip it, because it's, you're looking at a different direction than when you're looking at yourself. 
but I think that's like my prime example of like, I look back on that and it's just like, oh no, oh no. But I, I laugh about it now because it's funny and it shows me kind of how much I've grown as an artist that like, I pick up on stuff like that now. Well, and you're telling this story for when you were a teenager. Um, Frank Miller, who did Daredevil, and it's celebrated as one of the greatest comic runs ever, has a panel of two of the same foot. Yep. And he's already at that level and still making this like, like anyone can do it. It's just being yeah. human. But I think we we're talking about the, what the business previously was. I think we need to mention what it is now. Would you be willing to give website, social media, so as people, so people can see all of your amazing art and hopefully buy some of it too? Yeah, absolutely. So I have one website that you can use to find all of my social media at any point. It has my commission information on it as well. It shows you my YouTube videos, my Tumblr, my Twitter, Instagram, anything you want. That is Astral Arts, A-S-T-A-R-T-S dot C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for it. Um, is there anything I didn't ask that you think people should know about your art or where you're going to be in the future, maybe, if you already know? So I do have a couple other conventions this year. Um, if you guys are going to be at Kineticon later this uh, in September in Connecticut, I will be there. I will also be at Saratoga Comic Con here in New York in November, I believe. Um, and if anyone here is a huge fan of either tabletop role-playing or fantasy settings, on my YouTube channel, I both talk about my D&D campaign. I have been DMing D&D 5th Edition for almost four years now with a very awesome, dedicated group of players. And I talk and tell the stories from that campaign using my art on my YouTube. And I am also in the works of making a fantasy-themed comic called Waystones that you can actually see the first chapter up on um, Webtoons right now if you search for it. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time for it. Thank you very much. Alright, and we're back here to close out the show, and thank you for another good interview. Uh, of course, I will have links to these sites and pages in the show notes up here. Um, uh, so show notes um, that you can find online, show notes that you can find through your podcatcher of choice. I had a blast. I actually wish I could have done some more interviews. I wish I could have talked to more people. Um, I wish I could have spent more <laughs> Uh, it inspires me for RetroCon coming up, whether I talk to someone live right there while the convention's going, whether I talk later, like, uh, at the hotel or after hours or after the concert or something. I mean, who knows? I'm really not sure. Whether we're actually, we've kind of half-jokingly mentioned it, whether myself, Educator, and uh, Maddie Treats, they've recorded an episode in the vehicle on our drive down. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Could do that, too. But... I just felt good. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I felt like sneezing. Uh, I felt like seeing the spike on the audio here. It's late. I'm not going to edit it out. Apologies. But I I felt like being real, I guess, for it. And sneezing's part of being real. Um, But uh, it's been a hell of a month. It's been a hell of a lot happening in life um and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say in the world and I felt guilty and silly uh to record to to read stuff to comment on it um when there was so much I was unsure about um and there's a lot I'm still unsure about. But I I have you know, done AnchorCon and saw people and met people and got to hang out with my friends and got to do things and I've done the opposite of just sitting here staring at a wall. And I'm not done. I still have a lot of work to do. I still have a lot of improvement to do. But short of Kingpin in the Daredevil series, I don't think of anyone that's improved their station life by staring at a wall. You know, like I have to do something. Um, because just sitting there is 
it's not solving anything, it's not improving anything at all. So whether it be going out and doing things, uh, doing some more Pokewalks than I've been able to do lately, uh, there's some brand new ones this week, it's very exciting. Um, whether it be seeing friends or whether it finally be, you know, instead of talking about doing something one day, why can't today be that one day? Why can't today be the day that I start that project, that I get that thing done, that I try? Um, and I, I've been looking online, there's a few things I want to try. Like, maybe, maybe that's my calling, my opportunity, my whatever. You know, um, it, it's funny, I, I argued with my dad so much in my teens and my early 20s. And now that I'm older, there's so much stuff that he said that rings true. And I think we both get a kick out of me coming around <laughs> to some of that stuff now. Um, but one of the things he said, because I, I have a terrible job history too. Um, we, we've joked around about having a, a podcast called like Retails, T-A-L-E-S, something like that. You know, just something silly to s tell all sorts of stories of work histories. Um, have Gaston talk about their work histories too. But anyways, uh, I've had so many times where I didn't work for whatever reason. Couldn't find a job or was applying for the wrong things or was just lazy and tired and being an emo teenager, an emo young 20 Gen Xer, and just not trying. Um, and my dad made the point. He said, no job, no manager, no hiring person is sitting there saying, you know, we can't fill this spot because we're waiting for Kevin to come in. They don't know who you are. They're, they're not, you know, waiting for you to walk in. This job isn't being held for you like you have to go out there um you know what's what's the line you miss 100 percent Wayne Gretzky maybe you miss 100 percent of sh shots you don't take um and uh, you know there's certain things that just gotta try I was scared to apply for the job I currently have and thankfully I like it thankfully I am in a position where I'm like, oh, I could actually retire at a job. I've never had that before. Thankfully, I have people there that care about me. That when I'm having a bad day, it's okay. Shocking. So, that part, like, you, you, I, I've made the comparison for, for children. I mean, granted, I only have the one. I've made the comparison before of it's just funny like a, a kid's a newborn and, and right when you think you got it figured out and all and you're like okay this is what we do now they're one and it's a whole new set of problems it's a whole new set of things you gotta figure out and you do and then they're two and there's new things and now he's eight and it's like okay I, I knew how to take care of a seven year old but I don't know how to take care of an eight-year-old yet. I'm not sure what to do here. Um, so it, it, it's funny though, because I can already feel stuff in my life of like, well, I knew how to do this. I don't know how to do that. And I gotta figure it out. Um, but I think of the people, you know, that I got to talk to, not just on this episode, but on previous episodes. They didn't wake up knowing how to draw they had to learn it they had to fail they had to experiment they had to figure it out along the way they didn't wake up knowing how to write they didn't wake up knowing how to wrestle knowing how to you know whatever it might be for all the people i've talked to and i think i've been lucky enough to talk to some really good people and, and people who have been very positive to me and i and i thank them all um i wanted this podcast to be a way to share people's works in the geek community. I, I think that one of our problems is we get kind of wrapped up in ourselves or wrapped up in 
the the big news oh let's talk about the new movie trailer let's talk about the new comic of the day whatever and we all kind of forget the next day that we don't get personal stories we don't get to know about people and i have enjoyed so much being able to talk to people and and get their stories out there and and have people message me and saying i never knew about this person before and what an amazing interview but what i didn't expect and what's happening more and more is these same people helping me i wanted to help them i wanted to help them you know get a bigger audience or or be out there more just get their story just get something like you have given me joy allow me to share you with the rest of the world here but so many of these people are helping me they're being positive to me they're fans of mine they they like something i did they whatever it might be and it kind of sits there in a way for me um Teehee, like an anchor. Always <laughs> we're talking about anchor con. But you know, like educator's been one of my best friends for almost thirty years. God, that's crazy. Um, treats just shy of that. Uh, you know, I I've talked to certain people in this podcast circle twelve years. You know give or take for some of them um and I just kind of am taking everything that's changing in life as maybe a, a final like let me do this let me try um my kid first I, I don't want to lose my job <laughs> You know, I, I got to pay my bills and all. Like, yes, of course, all of that stuff. But for the dream, for the passion, for the side hustle, for the creative part of it, maybe this is time to try, you know? And I don't know where that's going to go. And I don't know if that's going to change shape or direction. I don't know if... This show morphs into something else. I don't know if my writing morphs into something else. I'm realizing, as I recorded right now, I bought previews today, which means this is the last Wednesday of the month, and I never did a poll post for uh, Retro. Stuff happened in the last month. Life changed. Um, and I don't have answers. But I wonder if... conversation was had the other day and I believe that sometimes there's a plan that we're not aware of call it God, call it fate, call it whatever you want to I truly believe that sometimes there's just a plan we're not aware of and Sometimes life says, listen, you're at point A. I need you at point B in a year, two years, whatever. But if you stay where you are right now, you're going to still be at point A in that year or two years. And whatever life, fate, God, whoever you want to believe in, whatever it is, I need you here in this other point or else something's not going to happen that should happen to you. Don't know what that is. Maybe life needs me at point B for an opportunity to meet someone, to help someone, to be there for someone. I don't know what it is because I'm not there yet. But I feel like life decided I need to rearrange the pieces on the board because people need to be somewhere else in a few moves from now. And if you don't, if we don't get it set up now, you're not going to be there. And something that's supposed to happen won't be able to happen. Well, yes, I have watched the What If cartoon recently as well. <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's what it is in a way. Like, in order for things to happen how they're supposed to happen, 
we gotta move these people around here and you're not gonna know for you know maybe a year maybe two years maybe even longer and I'm old enough I've had stuff happen in my life where I thought oh the only reason I got through that situation is because of this thing that happened before the only reason I was able to help someone is because of this the only reason I was able to have a conversation like conversations on the show and be able to empathize or to give advice or to give a similar story or to relate or whatever is because I went through something else and maybe and I, I gotta believe that everything now is for that reason as well uh Carrie Payton I believe it's Carrie Payne. Maybe we should make sure of that. Doesn't matter. None of you are going to look it up. This episode of Fat Man Beyond, Kevin Smith's podcast, I believe is Carrie Payne, but I could be wrong, and I apologize ahead of time if I was. Who said it's not important? What was said is what is important, and let's get to that. But he said, whoever it is, whether I'm right or wrong on name, and when he decided he wanted to get into acting, his mom was confused. Why? Why do you need to go do that? Why do you need to leave where you are? Why do you need to move to a different city? Why do you need to do all these things? And he said, Mom, I believe that I'm supposed to say something. That somewhere in this world is a person that needs to hear something and I'm the only one that can say it in the way it needs to be said when it needs to be said how it needs to be said in whatever format it needs to be said like I'm the only one that can do that so I need to go and put myself in the best place that I can do that and I really hit home with me not enough to be confident enough of who said it but it really hit home with me so i don't know like i've i've been able to write some things that were very personal and, and very good that people really loved um i it means so much to me when like my mom or my dad my family says wow that thing you wrote was something special and they don't care about the wrestling predictions or the comic reviews they appreciate it and all but that's not what rings for them it's it's some of the personal ones and stuff and there are things that i write even if it's you know just for comics just for whatever that i realize you know if i wrote this a month ago it wouldn't have been the same piece if i wrote it an experience ago it wouldn't have been the same it's only from what I've learned, what I've experienced, how I've grown, them able to write these things in this way. And so, with everything going on, I'm like, well, maybe that's what's happening now, too. Maybe the thing that I'm inspired to say, that I'm inspired to write, that I'm inspired to do in this new chapter of my life is something that might be what helps someone else is something that might be a voice that someone needed to hear hell maybe I'm the one that needs to hear it <laughs> you know so I don't know um I um I'll put it this way I am aware I'm a flawed person I'm aware of my faults I'm aware I'm not perfect um, and I'm aware I have things I have to work on I think that's the best way to put it for a podcast that can be heard by anyone <laughs> but um, it is also time to take the awareness and start learning some lessons and move forward and take everything and use it towards being a better person and I hope that I can do that um, 
I want to be everything I can be for my kid. And I love him very much. And I miss him when he's not here. And I know he's okay and that helps a lot. But I'm going to do everything I can for him too. I understand my parents a lot better now <laughs> for certain things. Um, and I understand that I need to be smarter and better for a lot of stuff too that I thought I was, but I'm not. And it's, it's weird for me too to say these things um, and not go into detail, but I want to get that through. So I think doing things like talking to creators, going to conventions, talking to all of you, this has been really good. And I, I apologize to the people who I interviewed on here for going off on this tangent. You didn't know that this was going on too. You didn't know that listeners are waiting to find out where I've been and what's been going on. But I want to thank everyone I got to talk to at AnchorCon, everyone that agreed to talk to me, and everyone that gave me time out of their day, and everyone that really helped. Um, I, I mentioned that interview, and I say that I don't know who needs to hear something, but maybe my experiences, maybe my voice, maybe my whatever will help someone one day. Well, guess what? Thank you for the interview. And you had to be there that day to help me. You had to be there that day for me to spend money on your stuff, to feel good, to display it, to start decorating my home, to have some entertainment. You were there as a distraction, in a way. You were there to tell your story, and for me to learn from your story, and to be inspired by your stories. and to use it as my own energy for moving forward. So thank you to everyone that talked to me, that took time out of the day to be on this podcast, that gladly took my money for stuff. Um, but you may have thought it was just another convention for you. You may have thought it was just, you know, um, that I was just another uh, customer. But I truly believe that again the god fate universe whatever you want to call it you were there and i was there that day for a reason and i think the reason was you had to help push me in a certain direction um and so i thank you i thank you for taking time to be a guest for my show and i thank you for being you and saying everything that you said because i needed to hear it that day thank you Okay, and thank you listeners for putting up with me and listening to all this. Uh, I feel better now getting some of that out. If anyone wants to DM me to talk or to, um, if you have questions or whatever, and I will be honest, depending on who you are, will depend on <laughs> how detailed an answer you get. Uh, some already know. Um, but I feel better and I feel that I can... Uh, get this going again if i have reached out to you before to be a guest remind me you know message me let's get something scheduled here um i usually know what nights i'm completely free and we'll see if you are also free those nights so we can record um but i really want to thank you know my one of my best friends there i want to thank everyone that was a part of that convention. I want to thank everyone that put a smile on my face. I want to thank everyone that told me part of their own lives because it is what I needed to hear that day. And maybe your voice on this podcast, maybe my voice as well, can be there to inspire someone else. Okay? Through all of the stuff we've all been through, art and creating and putting yourself out there is what makes the world better and is what makes all of us feel like we're not alone in this crazy thing called life and I want to be there for everyone as well and I want to create and I want to have a legacy and I want 
people to know that Kevin Decent was on this earth. And I did something to make the community that always put a smile on my face that I gave it something back. So thank you everyone. This has been a very weird, very strange, very emotional, but very interesting episode of Hellions Talks. Check out the show notes and support these people who were so nice and supported me. Um, apologies for this episode, but I hope someone gets something out of it. Um, I Part of me feels like I should edit this into two different things, but part of me feels like maybe someone needs to hear this as much as I need to say it too. So thank you to everyone. Uh, this has been Hellions Talks. Please check out all my stuff at Mass Library across social media, masslibrary.com online. Check out the show notes for uh, the creators interviewed on this episode, and thank you to everyone for listening.